It is a new season of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. So glad to be back in studio with my friend and colleague, DeMarco Farr. What's up, buddy? What's happening, man? I'm looking at these numbers. Uh, this game book from the Buffalo game. Still. No, 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 no. It's week two. <laughs> You're not allowed. We haven't talked about it yet. So, no. wow. Just turn the page already? No, I, I'm Forget with you. Yeah. I can't. Here we are on a Thursday. Yeah. And it feels like an eternity between games. I guess that's the downside of kicking off on a Thursday is when you take it on the chin you gotta wear it for the better part of two weeks but i'm still not past buffalo either i need you to help me get beyond it Uh, well no i can't help you i mean look it's um joe noboom can help you you know david edwards can help you you know uh cam Akers can help you hopefully at some point you just have to play better but yeah i'm just just looking at numbers looking at the first week and you know this is not at all what we expected i guess Mm -hmm. we expected a battle but i mean that could have been a 40 burger that buffalo put up you know that, right? Without some some good defensive effort. Without there. four takeaways, you Without mean? Without four takeaways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Josh Allen was absolutely unstoppable at times. But Have the Bills punted yet? I don't think so. What's the guy's name? <laughs> we didn't see him at all, did we? Well, except for holding, uh, holding for field goals. But yeah, I mean, that was week one. It's over. It's done with. I'm still shocked by it. Um, but Atlanta's up next. You got to put it away and get ready for next week. Get ready mm. for Sunday. Yeah. Mm. We're going to get into a lot on this edition of Rams All Access. We have four down territory. We'll check in with the Falcons. How did they manage to lose from in front? Plus 16 in the fourth quarter. We'll take a look around the division. Fortunately, the Rams didn't lose a ton of ground with the Seahawks, the only victorious team in the West. Shock. And we are going to uh, reprise our playoff eliminator. Yes, sir. Okay. Absolutely. Marco is the reigning champion. We've got some things to dig into like there. Uh, but let's, JB, yes. would you rather lose like the Rams lost on to Buffalo on Thursday or how Atlanta lost to New Orleans? How Atlanta lost. I, so that's the thing. So <laughs> right. yeah. you led me right to my next point, which is it's not that they lost. It's how they lost. Both teams or, or Atlanta? I'm talking about the Rams. Oh, yeah. You yeah. lose to Bu- Buffalo might be the toughest game on your schedule. The Bills might be the best team in the league. You made them look historically great. If and, jo- Yeah. And, if and if more, Josh Allen can keep doing that, they'll be in the Super Bowl. And I don't know about yeah. you, but the number one question I got all offseason was, how are the Rams going to respond? Can you know Now that they are the reigning Super Bowl champions, hang over this, that, or the other, everybody's patting them on the back. I saw, I thought, a focused, clean, driven group throughout training camp. Maybe in Cincinnati there were some hints in some some phases yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that they weren't completely buttoned up and ready to go. That, to me, in week one looked like a team that was not as prepared and locked in as I expected them to be for that moment. Well, Buffalo was definitely ready to play. And you got to factor in the Super Bowl hangover, um, whether you want to believe it or not. I mean, you're getting rings, you're dropping banners, there's a lot of distractions, people are patting you on the back. Every coach tells you about that. Be careful of people patting you on the back, right? Buffalo was the opposite way. We talked about how their season ended. So they they were upset. They they came out with, and how do you say it? the Rams walked into a buzzsaw, a Buffalo yeah. buzzsaw. So that, those thirteen seconds in Kansas City must have felt like thirteen years this offseason absolutely. for them to get through. So sometimes what you need is a wake up call. Uh, you need to know what fast and tough looks like, and I think you got a full dose of that last Thursday. Here's the thing, though, Demarco is wouldn't we have said the same thing last Thursday morning? Like that's not a surprise how Buffalo came in revved up and ready to go everybody knew that everyone knew what they were going to be capable of with Vaughn Miller that was the best defense in a lot of categories all of last year 
But what, just to win with four guys over and over, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect what I saw out of Josh Allen. But did the approach not give them the opportunity to win with those four? What did the Rams do to dictate terms to Buffalo defensively that made them send a fifth or sixth? Nothing. Uh, nothing. There was. I mean, look. I, I think your game plan was, you know, to try to run it and then throw the football. You want to hit Cooper Cup? They could want, do neither. They, they could not protect. Stafford sacked. It's rough. A McVay era high seven times and was peppered with a bunch more pressures and hits. And you averaged two. 2.8 yards per carry. And what do you do for an encore? Okay, so you're down Kyron Williams, you're starting Daryl, and then you have a Cam Akers that we weren't, we didn't know was going to play that much. <laughs> we didn't know how, how much he was going to play. He didn't play hardly at all. So running the football was, I think, was kind of out the door once you lost Kyron Williams, and then now you're going to have to throw it against a front four that you can't block. Mm. Yeah, I want to ask you which lingering concern bothers you most and which one is no concern at all. Okay, okay but first, let's get Sean McVay's comments. This was Friday, less than 24 hours after the loss. Seldom does he speak as candidly about an individual, I think, not holding up his end of the bargain. This is Sean McVay on Cam Akers. Yeah, I, I think that's what we expect from all of our guys. And so, um, you know, whether it's, you know, and no matter who you're talking about, you want to see guys do the little things the right way, compete with and without the ball. There were some instances where um, there were some positive things and some things that he can do better, but uh, do want to see just an increased level of urgency and accountability, uh, you know, snap in and snap out from him. So they that gets directed at who was supposed to be, I think, your leading running back. But to me, it has to be more representative of the team at large, right? Like, that loss is not on one individual. I oh, think definitely not. Maybe no. the criticism is presented as being Cam's responsibility, but I think it holds true to the group at large. Well, look, um, remember all everything, that the positives we said about Andrew Whitworth over the years, right? And how he was the catalyst for this whole thing. Remember, we talked about the play in the Coliseum where he's chasing the guy into the end zone. Mm -hmm. That's an example of what this team is going to be. There's also examples of what's bad about a football team. So if you want to call out certain guys or certain things people are doing, I mean, yeah, it's for the team through one guy. Kurt Warner... Or, or Trent Green, when he was our starter, was getting coached through Kurt Warner. You would yell at him because you couldn't yell at Trent. So it makes sense. So I think it's not just one guy. I think everyone got the wake-up call. You know what I mean? So if one guy needs to get called out and not play as much, I think that is the right approach to getting guys to realize what's important through the week before you get to game day. And I'm not trying to point fingers here, but just as one other example of what you're talking about, Joe Noteboom. Mm. He's been there before, but this was rough. Uh, three sacks, eight pressures in week one, according to Pro Football Focus. His predecessor, Whitworth, just five sacks, 16 pressures all of last season. So that leads me to where I was going, which is yeah. overriding concern that bothers you most, turning the page to week two, and maybe another one that looked bad in week one, but hey, long-term, not worried about it at all. Left tackle. Um, and I, I would say left tackle on the road. Did I lead that? Did I lead you to that one, right or is there. that your honest? Okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean... We've been saying this since Cincinnati, right? We've been arguing, or not arguing. Uh, one of our two BT, uh, between the horns ago, we were talking about this. Uh, there could be a problem. Um, we took for granted because you had Andrew Whitworth out there. The guy was an eraser. You didn't worry about any right ends in the National Football League. Now I think it's a legit concern, and Von Miller kind of proved it. And everyone else that lined up on Noteboom there. So that position has to get better. Uh, if 
if you can't improve it, if Joseph Noteboom can't improve, or you can't improve upon that position with another guy, then you got to get creative. That's when you start looking to the sidelines. So, uh, but that is an area of concern. The backside of the quarterback, the fastest way to win a football game is that position there. If you can't block that, you've got problems. So, uh, if you can't block it with a person, you're going to have to do it with, you know, with the playbook. So, hopefully by this Sunday, we'll see improvement there out of that spot. Uh, the only caveat to that i would say at least you know now at least you've been confronted in the mirror right away in week one we are not as good up front at least we weren't in four quarters as we thought we were going to be yeah how do we solve for that be more intentional with everything from your techniques your fundamentals to how many you devote to your blocking surface the plays you call etc cetera, etc cetera. like if the rams reverted to 2018 sean mcveigh offense this week I'd be shocked, but yeah. they might lean that way and not play as much drop back, empty, protect with five. I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping. I'm going through the mental Rolodex as we're talking. I mean, I'm going back to like Alex Barron, Jason Smith. I mean, just these left tackles. Jake Long was in there for a hot minute. Uh, guys you think are going to save the world and, you know, they have a bad outing and you think they're going to bounce and they don't. It goes the other way. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping this time Joseph Noteboom is the guy that can suck it up and play a little bit better for his teammates, for his quarterback, come this Sunday. He's Marco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. I'll put one out there that I'm – two, actually. I'm not concerned about. But I think they are legitimate fan concerns after one week. The first would be Allen Robinson getting one meaningful target while the game was in the balance. Uh, I think over the long haul that'll look just the way we thought it was going to coming out of this summer. <laughs> I hope so. Here's another one that I, I'd yeah. love to get your take on from the defensive perspective. I think there's a narrative that the book is out on Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and and if he's going to beat you, if he's going to be someone who disrupts you defensively, at least make it 20, 30 yards downfield. Because I saw Tom Brady do it in Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I saw Joe Burrow and the Bengals do it in the Super Bowl. Now I've seen Josh Allen and the Bills push him vertically. It could. It could. You could be right. They could be right. Because there was a guy that was in division for a long time that was a shutdown guy. And then he wasn't. Patrick Peterson. You know what I mean? All of a sudden the book is out or you lose a step and guys start getting by it. I'm not sure if we're there with Jalen. I don't I yeah. don't think that's the yeah, case. Yeah. I don't think he's lost a step though. At he all. did have he did have physical yeah. remedies this offseason that I think deserve to be acknowledged. And he's on coming his off behalf. his shoulder. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's why necessarily they got deeper I'm than not him selling my last stock week. in Jalen Ramsey. Nor am I. <laughs> right. Nor am I. That's yeah. why I put him along with Allen Robinson as individuals that I will still uh, ride with but to kind of circle back to where you started which is yeah. the the overriding concern of pass protection i'll spin it the other way i think the lack of pocket pressure for the rams is an unresolved issue and isn't getting better necessarily okay. anytime soon i got a question uh, the first thing i do when we get the game book this is just old habit as i go right to the defensive page i look for tackles for loss sacks and quarterback hits the rams had two qb hits Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner. So that means every other guy that put his hand down, defensive tackle, or stood there in a pass rush situation, outside linebacker, only two guys touched the quarterback. Now, was that Josh Allen? Possibly. Or was that their offensive line? Yeah, both things can be true. Some. But either way, that's got to improve. So 
I'm hoping there's someone else that wants to develop into a pass rusher. I'm hoping that was just Josh Allen's brilliance and not the Rams' lack of a pass rush. Maybe things will change on Sunday. We'll see. Uh, When you talk about converting 90% of your third downs like the Bills did against you, a lot of that is because of what they did on first and second down. But it's also because when you did have the opportunity, let's face it, even on third and short, teams pass in this league. They may go quick game. They may mm-hmm. get it out quickly, but they're still dropping to throw. And, and Josh Allen was just throwing BBs all over the yard. Everywhere. And and he was not under duress whatsoever. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Deep breath. Done with <laughs> Buffalo. What do we know about the Falcons? Yes? Commercial break. What do we know about the Falcons? When we come back, Matthew Stafford knows he needs to distribute the football with more urgency and to more people than just locking in on Cooper Cup. His comments as we preview Week 2 SoFi Stadium, Falcons and Rams on this edition of Rams All Access, 710 ESPN. When we're at our best on offense, we're doing, you know, we're getting everybody involved. We're making uh, the defense defend every player on our team, every blade of grass on the field. Um, We can do a better job of that. I can do a better job of distributing the football to those guys, getting those guys touches early on in games and helping them feel you know, in the rhythm of the game. I've never played receiver, but I imagine, you know, the more you catch the ball, the sooner you catch it in the game, the better you feel about it and can kind of go from there. But uh, I definitely, you know, as a quarterback, feel like I can do a way better job of, you know, making those guys, everybody feel involved in the game as fast as they can. And then we go out there and just play the rest of the game. Matthew Stafford in anticipation of the Atlanta Falcons arriving at SoFi Stadium in Week 2. With our Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Season debut of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. Looking forward to being with you to preview every Rams game throughout the regular season and hopefully deep into the new year as well. Uh, Of all the things I did not expect in Week 1, Cooper Cup coming off a triple crown and tying his career high in receptions... Uh, that caught me off guard a little bit. I, I think we all expected a natural regression to the mean from the Super Bowl MVP, but there he was, 15 targets, 13 catches, 128 and a touchdown. And I say that in a tone that is concerned as to how reliant the Rams were offensively oh, on number okay. 10. That's what you mean. You, I, I thought you meant like last year was... Like an aberration or something. No, I, oh, no, I think the that's the real on. Cooper Cup, but he shouldn't be the only player in the NFL with more than 11 catches in Week 1. That, to me, is over-reliance. I had this uh, this discussion. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Keyshawn Johnson about not having Cooper Cup on in his top 5 or top 10, and he would always pick quarterbacks first. And I said, I definitely have this guy in my top 10 because of things like this. You can rely on him. You can go to him uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, if it's down the field, if it's... Uh, he he maintains a presence in the run game in the red zone. He's deadly. I mean, when things are breaking down, this is the one thing you can count on. So uh, yeah, that, he's absolutely important to have. But I'm with you. I thought there'd be others that would step up, and he wouldn't have to be this guy this early. But thank goodness you have Cooper Cup. I mean, you, you can go to. You look at the rest of the eligibles. Alan Robinson, we already touched on non-factor. Two-two got one target, dropped it. Ben oh. Skoranek, okay. Brandon Powell, okay. Bryson Hopkins, only a, only the second tight end on the roster, two of two, non-factor. Tyler Higby, uh, yeah, coming along. <laughs> so he's coming off injury. That, you know, yeah, did not did not look like a fresh uh, skill group nor a daunting one for the Rams. How should it look moving forward? How should 
the target distribution look in your estimation? Well, okay, targets and 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 reps. Because I remember having a conversation about Tyler Higby, and the last thing they wanted to do was have this guy play as much as he played last season. Yeah, you can't take ninety five percent of seventeen games again. Right. So you've got Bryson Hopkins. Surprise. Uh, that it's not Kendall Blunton, right? A little bit of a surprise. Here he is. He's up and active on game day, played four snaps. You know, Tyler Higby played most of the game. Uh, 2-2 Atwell, seven reps, zero yards. That's it. I mean, okay, look, you, you're going to have to start using more guys here or there, especially at tight end or maybe two tight end sets. So uh, there, there's a lot of things that the Rams could do better. But like you said, a lot of this was just how the game went. There is no game plan when, when the other team's playing that well. I mean, you're looking for a knockout punch. So everything is just disjointed. So this is the one I I bet that in five weeks you can throw away and say it never happened. I bet they look different, and the game plan will be different this Sunday versus the Falcons. Mm, speaking of the Falcons, uh, the Saints beat them and come from behind fashion 27-26 after Atlanta had a 13-point lead early fourth quarter and first in goal. They settle for a field goal to go plus 16, then cough it up. Mm. Marcus Mariota with some costly mistakes at quarterback. Uh, defensively, they allow touchdown, two-point touchdown, game-winning field goal to the Saints in their final three drives. Uh, so coming up on uh, four-down territory, when we get with West Durham, we'll ask him, was that a moral victory for an Atlanta team that seems to be much improved but doesn't have the win to show for it? Or was that a demoralizing, deflating loss against their chief rival as they arrive here in Los Angeles? You watched that Falcon-Saints games. What were some of your key takeaways? I would say the latter. I've been there. I've been on teams like this where, I mean, look, you're fighting hard and you're still not there yet and you give games away. It sucks. Against so the Saints, it's they demoralizing. hate yeah. each other. But I thought, actually, Mariota played better than I thought. I mean, I thought he threw the ball you know, okay, didn't throw a touchdown pass or a pick, but he ran the ball. He absolutely tortured that defense. He really did. Whenever he pulled the ball down on called run plays or on scrambles, he tortured that defense. So um, the the one question I have, and uh, he was backed up by a pretty good running game in, in Patterson, who is now a running back, and they were very physical. The one thing I would say about this offense is can you keep this up? putting your quarterback uh, you know, out there in the middle of the field where he takes headfirst shots and shots in the back. Eventually, that's going to take its toll on a guy. So we'll see. But for early parts and what they did against New Orleans, I was very impressed with Marcus Mariota. Atlanta rushed for over 200 to your previous point. Highest total since December mm-hmm. of 18 and a career-high 120 from Cordero Patterson, uh, who seems to always pop up on the Rams' schedule somehow, some way. But the way they utilize him. And the way the diversity of their run game is really going to present, I think, a comeback challenge for the, the Rams here in week two. Fullback, yes. Tight ends, tons of them. Uh, a do it all Debo Samuel like piece in oh, yeah. Cordero Patterson. If you're not strapped up for week two, if you're still smarting over last week's loss, you might be down a score or two and getting steamrolled by their rushing attack. Oh, yeah. This is like, uh, you know, when you face Navy and, and you turn it over and you get behind them. You, you oh, they shorten the game on you. You won't see the ball until the third quarter. Uh, but here's the other part. Now, Williams is their starter, number six. Now, he went out. I knew, do know that. Only Patterson, Falcon on their injury report this week, DeMarco. Patterson was backing him up, so I'm not sure if that usage for Patterson was just uh, a, a, a game day situation, or is he going to... I would bet he stays there, but if Williams was up, I bet he takes some of those carries. But either way, uh, 
that offense and the way they do it, it's tough. It's rules football. You have to factor in the quarterback to everything you do defensively, and that absolutely stinks. One mistake, and he's out the back door. Uh, and they try to wear you down. And when they do, when they get you on the other side of the 50 after defending all this stuff and you're tired, then they start throwing the football to Pitts. And then they start throwing the football to Drake London. So, uh, to me, the best way to beat this especially with the defensive line, is through a rotation. you got to keep fresh guys coming at him. Hmm. Uh, you can't afford to get tired. If you do, he'll have space to throw, and then they'll find a spot or he'll buy time to find a spot yeah. in your defense. Pitts and London, back-to-back first-round picks at the skill positions. Kyle Pitts went for 1,000 yards as a rookie. Drake London led the way in the receiving category in his debut as a Falcon. That dude was at USC with a name like Drake mm-hmm. in this day and age. His uh, name, And he's a good football player. God, I want to be him in college. There's a hotline <laughs> bling drop to be had here somewhere. He was a basketball player, too, oh, early in his him. Trojans career. I remember calling some of his his games. On the other side, Dean Pease, uh, veteran defensive coordinator, oh. Titans, Ravens, Patriots, now Falcons. Unlike Buffalo, the Falcons created a ton of of pressure by blitzing last week. And that's shocking considering they were the worst team by a wide margin last year in terms of bothering the opposing quarterback dead last in sacks. Didn't uh, okay, during the offseason, help me out here. Didn't Atlanta have a bunch of fights in training camp? Did they? I think they did. Well, it makes sense because you got a P's defense which is multiple, they switch gaps, they send guys all the time versus this offense. So it's either going to be a big run or a big hit. In the summertime, that's going to be a fight. I get it. So it's multiple. Um, If you're a castle that's under siege from an invading horde, Pease is the last guy I want leading that army. He's going to test everything you got to see if you can block it that day. Mm -hmm. Let me send this guy. Oh, you missed that one? I'm going to send it again. Let me try this. Let me speed up the quarterback with more pressure. Then let me back off. Let me show and do this. He's going to do everything he can to disrupt and unnerve you. I mean, it is an absolute nightmare to defend against a team like this. And just to remind our audience, we hope Joe Nopum can go. He's got a knee issue. They're optimistic, but he was not practicing earlier in the week. There is the potential to start A.J. Jackson, David Edwards, Coleman Shelton at center, uh, Tremaine Ankrum with all of three NFL offensive snaps to his credit, and Rob Havenstein. That could be your starting five offensively along the line for the Rams against that challenge you're describing. It's crazy. Uh, the only thing this defense didn't do well last week was defend Taysom Hill early. And it's hard to because you don't really get to see it. So And because the Saints were yeah. promising us that he was – not going to do that. And this then he year. came in and <laughs> ran for a touchdown. You know, so that's the only thing they didn't do well. So this will be tough on that Ram offensive line. Uh, look, Grady Jarrett is a monster. I mean, he is an abs- He's a six footer with a motor. He's a pinball machine. He gets in there and disrupts a lot of stuff and opens up a lot of gaps for for a lot of guys. So, and they call plays based on his ability. So, if he's having success, expect blitzes and stunts coming behind all that. You know, one thing I am looking at differently this week, uh, Bills to Falcons, especially Rams offense against their defense, is I said this last week with you to you on a variety of our platforms probably the part that gets overlooked about the bills defense is their two middle linebackers have played together for an eternity and their two safeties are as good 
as there is in the National Football League. And I think you felt that strength through the spine of their defense that enabled them to play too high, mm-hmm. play zone concepts throughout, and to be in the right windows, right? To make life difficult on Matthew Stafford and that offense, which was trying to operate quickly under duress. I'm not sure the Falcons, without the likes of Deion Jones, who's on injured reserve, I'm not sure middle of their field is quite as experienced nor accomplished as Buffalo's. Yeah, uh, what? There's what? Uh, nine new starters on that defense now. So everything has changed. So they're just learning. They're just learning each other. So Buffalo is a, is a bit different. Um, give them a lot of credit. I think I've used the, the, the name Milano more than I ever have in my entire life. He was absolutely everywhere, destroying things. And he was smart in those zone drops. He made everything tight and made those, 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 the, those throwing windows, those throwing lanes very tight. I'm with you on Atlanta. I think you can get them uh, to chase. I think you can... You know, make them have eye violations. I think there'll be opportunities for Matthew Stafford if he has time to get the ball off to Allen Robinson, to Cooper Cup in advantageous situations. Because that's where McVay yes. is at his best. Like if, if you're a young linebacker, young safety, if you're someone at those positions who hasn't seen this offense in a while, he can make you wrong. Uh, a lot. A lot, yeah. a lot, yeah. a lot. Um, all right, coming up, it's four down territory. This is our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. We'll check in with the Atlanta Falcons. Wes Durham is our guest. And then in our final segment, DeMarco will be back for a look around the NFC West and the return of our playoff eliminator contest. Uh, DeMarco, the reigning champion, the only champion this show has ever seen. So he gets the first pick. More to come on 710 ESPN. Debut edition of Rams All Access, J.B. Long, joined by my friend and colleague Wes Durham, who is the voice of the Falcons, in addition to all the great work he does for the ESPN family of networks. This is Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory, the Atlanta Falcons coming to SoFi Stadium this Sunday. Wes, great to catch up with you. Thanks, JB. You too. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing SoFi in person for the first time. Yeah, I'll give you a quick tour. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering, uh, thinking of you this past Sunday when I saw the Falcons mm. lose from in front against their bitter rival, was that a moral victory of sorts for a team that looks clearly improved or a demoralizing loss to the Saints? Oh, I think it would have been an unbelievable start. Uh, I think that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have done a really nice job, but you got to remember, there are only two players on the active roster that were in Super Bowl 51. I mean, it's just that quick. Um, Grady Jarrett and, uh, and Jake Matthews are the only two left. So this has been the full overhaul. And now we move forward, right? So the three quarters on Sunday, I thought they did some really, really good things on both sides of the ball. But in the fourth quarter, uh, schematically might have done some different things defensively and offensively could not get first downs, especially the one late that they needed. If they get that one late, I feel pretty good about them winning. But, you know, the, the bigger picture for these guys is that it's step-by-step, step, and they've done a pretty good job, it feels like, this week at Flowery Branch, north of Atlanta, to, to move forward from this, but we won't know until it goes on the tee out there Sunday. Pretty cool fraternity, 32 of us who get to call yeah. NFL games on Sundays for our respective teams. West Durham representing the Falcons here on Four Down Territory. What would you make of Marcus Mariota's debut? I liked it. I thought it was good. I think he would have liked to have had a couple red zone possessions back. Um, I didn't think he would throw the ball 33 times in the game. I wasn't sure how Atlanta philosophically would attack J.B., um, and it ended up being a career-high carries and yardage for Cordero Patterson. Uh, I think had Damian Williams been able to stay in the game – he would have contributed a little more. But Mariota was good. He was good. And you know what? He's been the perfect uh, follow for Matt Ryan. 
in 14 years here. Um, and I think that that's the, the best thing I can say about him is he's come in here and understands kind of the hand that's been dealt and has played it beautifully, not just as a leader, but as a quarterback and a guy who, you know, like 11 or 12 other guys on this team may have a chip on their shoulder about where their career is. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that the Falcons came into a season without Matt Ryan as their starter yeah, for the first time yeah. since 07. Hey, uh, locally, fans are excited about seeing Drake London yeah. make a bit of homecoming of sorts. What impression has the rookie made in Atlanta? Well, he only had one catch in the preseason before a, a knee injury kind of sidetracked him the, the other two ball games. But I'll say this, I, I thought he came into minicamp and the OTA stuff in the offseason uh, with a terrific work ethic. And it's been noted by coaches uh, across the board, uh, in particular T.J. Yates, who coaches the wide receivers, about, number one, how a willing learner he is to the pro game, but also how competitive he is. And to that point, I think it's, uh, it's made it nice, uh, a nice transition for he and Mariota to that effect. And then I think their older guys, Cordero Patterson being one, even you know Kyle Pitts just a year ahead of Drake is, uh, has done a terrific job. And by the way, there's no doubt who the best basketball player on the football team is. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing his USC <laughs> yeah. games early in his, his college career. Fourth and final question here on Four Down Territory from my friend Wes. Uh, I'm not sure if you've uh, got this far yet in your preparation, but you may have heard the Bills absolutely punctured the pocket against the yeah. Rams last week without having to send a single blitz. The Falcons' pass rush looked much improved from 2021. Off to a good start against the Saints. They blitzed Jameis about a third of their time. What do you think they'll do against the Rams this weekend? That's a good question. And I don't know if that instability up front, you know, with some of those guys moving around, will contribute to uh, maybe a new Dean Pease wrinkle or two. Uh, I will tell you, though, some of those blitzes when they didn't get there is when Jameis did some of his best work, right? Um, you know, they threw at A.J. Terrell a couple different times, uh, in particular when uh, Michael Thomas got hot. I, I think they will continue to blitz because that's just their DNA, JB. But it's going to get really interesting on Sunday because this team still gave up some numbers on the ground. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a concern. I mean, you gave up 151 yards. You ran for 200, but you gave up 151. So you got to be careful how you want to go about it, I think, against, uh, against the Rams. And it sounds like Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are ready to go. And that's a, that's a curious combination for what Atlanta will try and do on that side. Yeah, I love the point you make about A.J. Terrell. One of the best corners in the league last year went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mike Thomas, who got the better of him on a couple of touchdowns, but he was in good position. I think a matchup with Allen Robinson the second as the mm -hmm. Rams try and get him uh, in the stat sheet early and often this week is going to be fascinating to follow. Wes, uh, good luck with your college game Saturday. Huh. Safe travels to Los Angeles and cannot wait to uh, see you put eyes on SoFi Stadium. Thanks, JB. All right, Western representing the Falcons here on Four Down Territory. My broadcast partner, DeMarco Farr, back after this to wrap up Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. All right, let's wrap up this week two edition of Rams All Access with a look around the NFC West and our first installment of the 2022 Playoff Eliminator Contest. DeMarco Farr, JB Long, hope you can join us Sunday at SoFi Stadium, the Atlanta Falcons, and your reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, looking to get back in the win column. By the way, how about the fact that for more than five years under Sean McVay, the Rams had not been so much as one game under 500? <laughs> like, we haven't known this feeling. yeah. Uh, since the end of the Jeff Fisher tenure. It's so funny. I haven't even thought of that. It, it never crossed my mind until somebody told me. Did, did did you ever think of that? Unfortunately, I was holding that one back. Like It's been oh, really? on my call sheet 
for quite some time. And it's one of those things that you don't say out loud. And every time someone's like, oh, Sean McVay is undefeated in week ones, I like cringe, especially when the Buffalo Bills are coming in. Because yeah. that's one of those nuggets you don't want to drop. But I had gone to the next level and realized not only are they starting every season 1-0, they've never fallen below 500. They've always gotten Amazing. off to such good starts, which is why, as an aside, yeah. the, oh, the Rams don't play anyone in the preseason. They were rusty. They were flat. That's why. No. Uh, I heard that too. No, that's yeah. that's not it. I wonder how many times like Belichick has been under 500. It can't be that often. No. So, so if you can go your first five years with without dropping under five, only once, you're doing something right. The longest streak before the Rams was upset, like before last week, yeah. the 2019 Cardinals were the last team to dip below 500. Every other team has been below 500 since the 2019 wow. Cardinals, except for wow. the Rams. What a great era. Uh, that yeah. transitions us to the 2022 Arizona Cardinals, who are going to be on hard knocks, I guess, in season. Yeah. That, that might be must-see streaming. Just You mean the Kyler Murray show? That and the hot mess that they were in week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Wow, who that, gets top billing? <laughs> that was that was an Andy Reid, uh, Patrick Mahomes statement, was it not? You know, I, I hope it stays dysfunctional, but that's just me. I'm looking through the Rams' lens right now. Seahawks, yeah. the only team to win. Before we circle back to the Cardinals and their next opponent, your take on Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett? Man, uh, look, I, I think that's one you want back, and um, <laughs> you can't get that one back. That's damaging. And I'm with uh, the rest of the league on this one. You robbed us uh, of of a great opportunity for Russ to beat Seattle in Seattle in a Broncos uniform. Do you know how I've started to evaluate these uh, fourth down decisions? Right now there's bots that can tell you win probability, all these sorts of things, which are helpful. They're informative. But I always want the temperature from the opposing sideline. When the opposing defense, when the opposing team sees you bringing your field goal or your punt team on, are they exhaling? The other team? Yes. Absolutely. Because then you're make to me, then you're making a bad decision. I think when the Broncos put their field goal unit on the field during that timeout, I think Seattle exhaled so that they didn't have to deal with Russell Wilson on fourth and short. That's kind of waving a flag. <laughs> you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and how much money did you pay Russell Wilson? Yeah, you pay him to win games, not to sit and watch. Mm. That's just me. But anyway, congrats, Seattle. Okay, so they're atop the NFC West. They go to San Francisco, uh, where the Niners are dealing with an Elijah Mitchell knee injury mm. in their backfield and uh, I guess lost a swim meet in Chicago in rainy, wet conditions in one of the many, many upsets. Nine playoff teams from a year ago lost on week one, including the 49ers and the Rams, who were in that NFC Championship game, of course. And then you've got Arizona at Las Vegas, uh, both of those teams looking for their first win. Arizona and Vegas, Seattle and San Francisco across the NFC West this week. You know, uh, what do you think of Las Vegas, the Raiders? I mean, they played the Chargers toe-to-toe. Yeah. I think Devontae Adams is exactly what they had hoped he would be. I think they're a pinch of salt away from being a really good meal. Carr can't get rid of Khalil Mack. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably how he feels. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of my other takeaways from that Sunday. Feels like a long time ago. (laughs) Can't get rid of But but I think they're a factor. I I think the AFC West is every bit as good as advertised, and here on Thursday night with two of those teams, Chargers and Chiefs, going head-to-head. Yeah, yeah. It'll Topical. Be, it'll be down to the wire in in both West conferences, <laughs> NFC and AFC, no doubt. Ready to play some playoff eliminator? Let's go. All right, let me lay out the rules, but let okay. me also uh, 
give you your due. Because you won this competition last year. There was some uncertainty at the finish line for a couple of reasons. One, because we ran out of shows, so we we couldn't really (laughs) tie things up. And I had some audience members saying, hey, whoever won that? Whoever won that game? Was it it you? Was it DeMarco? Did you pay up? Um, It took me a while to get around to paying up this offseason. And and, and there's still probably a balance due. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, The fact of the matter is we both went bust in the end, but I went bust Harder. Harder. <laughs> so I take the L. I take the L. Here are the rules of the game. All right. And we played this for the first time last year. Okay. DeMarco and I will each draft teams over the course of this season uh, that we expect to miss the playoffs. We're collecting bad teams, essentially. If you have a team in your portfolio that misses the playoffs at year's end, you get a point. However, if there's a grenade in your portfolio, if you have a team that you've picked that somehow squeezes into the expanded NFL playoff format, you lose. You're done. You're out. Now, technically, DeMarco and I both had one or more of those teams by year's end in 2021, but I had more of them. So again, I am conceding round one to DeMarco and with it, the first pick. And I will take it. And this year's, oh, you're going to go. So here's the other thing. Alternating selections. Yes. I'll do a better job keeping track this year. I promise. Um but you don't have to take a team. You can you can punt on any given week if you so choose to avoid taking a team that you're uncertain about. I want to take a team for fun. I want to take one. Can I take one now? You are on the clock, my okay. friend. This is debatable. If Maurice was here, I'm sure he would go off. I'm taking the Dolphins. Wow. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. Off of victory. Off of victory. Off of victory over Bill Belichick. Beating the Patriots 20-7. to I'm still picking the Dolphins. With Tua quarterback and a first-time head coach. Yes. Give me me your reasoning here. In a nutshell? Yes, please. I'm not sold on Tua just yet. I'm not sold on Tua as as the guy to win in that division. And you know who's winning that division? Who? Buffalo. Of course. (laughs) Right? Right. There's like no doubt in your mind. Right. So, exactly. So they're going to have to be a wild card team in a stacked AFC. That's Not going to happen. I'm taking the Dolphins. I will put you down for the Dolphins, and I will grab our friends, the Jets. I will take the Jets <laughs> here in week one. So DeMarco is down for the Miami Dolphins. I'm writing it down in this document that will resurface next week, and I will take the New York Jets of the Meadows Lands. Okay, you can take a second pick if you want, or you can wait until I'm next week. Hold. Wait I'm, for I'm another round of results. Uh, to come through. Final thought on the Falcons and the Rams before we go. Man, this is a, uh, you know, look, if, if you're looking at the old Falcons saying this is going to be an easy win for the Rams, uh, you got another thing coming. Uh, everyone's still trying to gel together and become a great team in Los Angeles right now. So, uh, and Atlanta is coming off a tough loss to New Orleans. So, th- it's another buzzsaw. So hopefully the Rams um, put their best foot forward and, and improve during the week and get after it because, like you said, um, Sean McVay is under 500 for the first time in his career as a head coach. Uh, Week number two, there are no guarantees. Mm. I think there's plenty of problems that Mm -hmm. need solutions sooner rather than later. And I hear your word of caution, but I believe in my heart of hearts that we will be in these seats next week talking about now those were the Los Angeles Rams we've come to know and love. Hope you'll join us Sunday at SoFi. See you in Inglewood for week two. The Atlanta Falcons pay a visit to the Los Angeles Rams. This has been Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.